Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and uh, I'm here with my partner, Steve Krein, and this is the next episode of Free Zone Frontier. Steve, I was just mentioning the overall diagram, the overall process of Free Zone Frontier is really firming up, and I think it's just because we have so many people experimenting and bringing back the news of collaboration where they're having collaborative breakthroughs in the world. And we're starting to get some what I call checkpoints. I actually call five checkpoints that if you're doing these five things, then you're probably in the free zone frontier and really seeing the value of collaboration as opposed to competition. That's just how I'll start off there. Well, first of all, great to always be here, Dan, to kind of step back and discuss what I think is really immersed all of us in the Free Zone Frontier program into this discussion about how to make sure that you build up the muscles to operate in the future, much more than the present or even more so the past. So I'm excited to kind of dig into the discussion specifically around these five checkpoints. And in particular, the first one is, I think, the showstopper, because I think it oftentimes becomes the preventer, even with the most ambitious plans, the preventer of really being freed up to focus on creating your free zone frontier. Yeah. And the first one, just for all the listeners, is a concept that we call total cash confidence. It means that you're in a position with cash flow as far as your business, that you're so confident about it that you would be willing to enter into a collaboration where the emphasis isn't on front-end money. It's on the development of a long-term collaboration and a long-term capability that you couldn't create if you were competing. That's basically it. Steve, I think probably we should each give an example from our what each of us is doing because I'm creating, you know, as part of Strategic Coach, I'm creating the Free Zone Frontier as an elite group of people who have really advanced. But the first thing you have to have to even be in the conversation is you have to have cash flow confidence. Tell me what that does for you, because you've always been good about that. I mean, ever since I first met you, you've always had a healthy respect for <laughs> that. If you want to be creative and you want to be innovative, you've got to make sure you're not worried about the cash flow. Yeah, it's interesting because I think there's probably two elements to what really cash flow confidence means to me. Because one of the aspects is how many different ways do you generate money or revenue or cash flow? And when I say how many ways, is that I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially either just starting out or not really kind of growing fast, which ultimately ends up being like you've got like three or four different things pulling at your business model or revenue stream model. And therefore, you're kind of distracted by mm -hmm. not being able to focus on one, but trying to play a little bit of a whack-a-mole with each of the different revenue streams that make up your cash confidence. So one of them is just the idea of how many business models do you have that you're either trying to focus on or struggling to focus on. So that's kind of one part of it. And I want to dig into that because I think what you call monogamy with one business model <laughs> is a very unique way of approaching it. A lot of businesses are told about diversification and other things. And I think you're counterintuitively saying, you know, the more monogamous you can be with one, the better that one becomes, but you have to be willing to and be confident enough to let the other ones go. So kind of one part of it is how many different business models. And then the other one is 
can your team support the commitment to that Mm -hmm. and not be opportunistic? And sometimes it's the entrepreneur and sometimes it's the team always bringing opportunities to fight your commitment to that business model and that revenue stream. And so I found there to be a tremendous amount of clarity just coming from that notion of making a decision to be committed to one business model and making sure that not only is the team committed, but you're resisting all temptation to divert Mm -hmm. from that focus. Well, I just had an idea. Hi, Lee, are you here? Yes, can you hear me? We can, yes. Hi, Hi, Lee. Good morning. Great to see you again this week. Yeah. So great to see you. I'm back in Beverly Hills. Oh, good. So we're recording now, Lee, already in process, talking about cash flow confidence. Sorry, Dan. Okay. So Steve and I were just talking about what I'm calling now the free zone five, which is the five checkpoints for putting yourself into the free zone frontier where you don't have competition in the value creation that you're actually creating. You're doing something that competitors can't see. And one of the reasons is very few of your competitors have cash flow confidence. And I know you've put a big emphasis on this, Lee, and I think we've talked about it probably five or six times over the last year of how you've really made sure that there's a solid foundation of cash that really frees you up to look into new opportunities, to develop new collaborations. And I just like to talk about when that really became a crucial step for you. Well, it's been a crucial step for me for many, many years. I've always had a goal of a certain amount that I wanted to have in cash flow for me to manage everything. And what happened was when I was selling one of my businesses that generated a six-figure extra cash flow for me each month, I realized I had to replace it with other income streams right away because I was already used to that. And so that's when royalties came into play. Yeah. We're going to go around and we're going to talk about each of us in regard to the free zone five. So we're just talking about the very definition of cash flow confidence and also what Steve brought up, and I hadn't really seen it as clearly as he stated it. One of the aspects of not having cash flow confidence is that you have different business models that you're dividing your time among, and inside your company, you actually have competition for attention among the different business models. Okay, so it's one thing to have competition out in the marketplace with your business, but it's another thing inside your business to actually have competition for your attention, and I'm sure for resources and who gets favored. Well, that happened that much. I have self-managed companies. I mean, I had more than 50 trips last year. If they were counting on me for anything, they didn't see me very often. So one of the beauties is that I set up teams to be successful on their own and they report back to me Mm -hmm. what's going on. And I just pipe in as a visionary more than anything. Sometimes I give them things that we've done in the past. Sometimes I allow them to do things on their own, but they're mostly just checking in with me at this point. Yeah. So, Steve, it seems to me from our conversations, and this goes back a number of years, that Startup Health is that single company because I haven't seen any deviance whatsoever from your passion for the Startup Health Network that goes back, you know, it's five, six years now. It's actually, yeah, this will be our ninth year. Ninth year, but we've been certainly talking about it full time for the last six years. Yeah. And Lee brings up one ingredient of what you were talking about, which is are there other revenue streams or passive income flows that you have? But in the case of just the main 
free zone frontier business and the main focus of Startup Health, it's not just that Startup Health is my only focus. It's that within Startup Health, we only have one business model. And that is we Mm -hmm. invest in entrepreneurs who are committed to achieving health moonshots. And the flow of capital comes from investors backing our funds that allow us to back those entrepreneurs. And that is the single business model, despite how many different things we do that should raise the eyebrows and go, wow, you could make money that way and you can make money Mm -hmm. that way. We have a significant media platform, a print magazine, a big festival we run. We have a digital media. We have a video TV streaming channel. We have podcasts. And we refuse all sponsorship. We refuse all ad dollars. We refuse all of those potentially distracting revenue streams because they take us off that focus and the purity of us all focusing on creating equity value in the companies that we invest in. And so that clarity means that every discussion we have with a big organization or a wealthy family is channeled to, do they want to be an investor in our fund that invests in these entrepreneurs and they get a stake in the entrepreneurs? And to the entrepreneurs, you can't pay to be in startup health. There's no membership. You can't pay us a dollar to do or get access to anything we do. We have to decide as a quote unquote buyer of their equity, do we want to partner with them for the next 25 years to achieve their health moonshot? And that purity of business model Mm -hmm. just frees everything up from every discussion. We never walk in a room with 18 different things to sell an organization, except commitment to helping the entrepreneurs that we're working on. If we're meeting with an entrepreneur, we're not trying to sell them services. We're just seeing if they're the kind of entrepreneur we want to invest in and back. So that is not just a statement to do, but it's a daily exercise in restraint and commitment across the team to not allow the distracting opportunities of the day deviate us off the idea of every quarter selecting the 15 to 20 entrepreneurs we're going to invest in like we have for the last eight years. Every quarter, that's how we have 300 and 20 plus investments. And every quarter that's going to grow because we never deviate from that. Yeah. I love it. I love that. And Gary's a hundred percent focused on holistic veterinary medicine. He's the exact same as you. He is 100% in 100% holistic medicine for animals. And that is all he does. Yeah. Period. He speaks because he's advancing the industry. He creates products because he's advancing the industry. A hundred percent of what he does is in holistic veterinary medicine. That is his love. That is his joy. I'm the multiplier for what he does. Tell everybody who he is, by the way, for those listening who don't know who Gary is. Gary is Dr. Gary Richter. He's a graduate from the University of Florida in veterinary medicine, graduated in 1998, and basically has been focused on holistic medicine and integrative medicine in the San Francisco Bay Area ever since. Yeah, so I should mention that you're married to him. I am married to him. (laughs) I've known him since he was in high school, through 10 years of college. This has been his one and only focus his entire life. There wasn't even a plan B if he did not get in vet school. It was only one plan and all he's ever been focused on. And my joy is helping to bring him and his mm. genius to the planet and what yeah. he's about. 2017 in September, he won Practitioner of the Year in Integrative Medicine from the Holistic uh, Veterinary Conference. They picked him as the Practitioner of the Year. And what he's been doing is going around to general practice conferences and talking about the things that he's doing in integrative medicine. Mm-hmm. Only one focus. I'm just going to relate something that has really emerged over the last month, and actually the connection between 
Lee and also Steve, and about a year ago, and you were there, Lee, this was at our summit in Chicago for Free Zone Frontier, and I was just going through a particular exercise, and we were just chatting at the end of the summit, and I said, you know, it strikes me, Steve, that you are creating the world's first purely entrepreneurial R&D lab that's going to produce an enormous number of innovations in healthcare around the world. And I can't see how anyone else could do this unless they had the structure and the focus that you had. And I know I planted a seed there, Um, like a dog with a bone here with this one, because once I latch onto something like this, I'll never give you any peace. (laughs) until you tell me whether I'm correct there and whether that framework has actually uh, guided any of your thinking over the last year. Well, I mean, it hasn't. You know, it's funny because sometimes we're so close to our business and we have our own thinking around how to describe it. And so when somebody else finds a, I think, a simpler way, because I know you're a simplifier way to describe it, I think still draws to the core of what that, you know, single business model is, which is we believe that entrepreneurs, specifically the entrepreneurial mindset and the unique characteristics of how an entrepreneur who is aiming to transform health is thinking, an entrepreneurial mindset and entrepreneurs are going to be the ones that help really usher in a transformation of healthcare so we can, you know, end cancer and cure disease and bring access to care to everyone in the world but doing it by collaboration between entrepreneurs and clinicians or entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and researchers or entrepreneurs and other experts that team up to really focus on making meaningful impact. And so our fundamental belief is that it's not going to happen with any one organization or any one person. It's going to happen through a massive global collaboration between thousands of entrepreneurs all connected together in a single community even though they're independently working, they're significantly collaborating towards achieving the health moonshot. And the part of the business model that I think really gives rise to even you know what I was talking about a few minutes ago around the, why it's so important to focus is in order to allow them to experiment and learn and grow, you have to be willing to be not only long-term partners with them, but thinking of them as collaborators, not employees, nor by the way, research projects just to research and figure it out, but actually bring it to the commercialization, yeah. completion, and bring it to market. And so, yeah, I think this idea that we've got, you know, 320 companies from 25 countries, that's five, 600 entrepreneurs, a lot of them are partnered up together, working every day on these 25-year transformations in their own specific area. And no different than Gary is committed and his veterinary practice is doing it with animals I think the idea of an individual, especially with the right mindset, committed to that long-term impact, I think the idea is how do we continue to support them and be a hero to them every day. But that was a very helpful kind of simplification of what we're doing, Dan. Yeah, and I see it that way. And when you're not around, that's how I describe you. So I just want to let you know whether... I should describe me that way more because (laughs) I'm constantly reminded every time I talk to you and then I go away and I don't and I got to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I want to be a 25-year hero to you, so, you know, this is my contribution. But you can see the linkage between the total cash confidence, which is checkpoint number one for the Free Zone Frontier, and this 25-year hero target. Lee, I think that you're also kind of positioning yourself in the healthcare for pets world, and probably 
I know that at your conference in San Francisco two weeks ago, Steve, that Lee talked to you about, this was a conversation I had with Lee at the last Free Zone Frontier workshop that she was in, and she said that she was going to talk to you, and I said, you know, well, it's very interesting because in Canada, there's always been a line since I moved to Canada almost 50 years ago, that the best healthcare system in Canada is the one that dogs get. The whole thing that people really, really go out of their way. There's fast emergency service and, you know, dogs come in. Mm -hmm. And I said, but that's not true with people. People don't get the same access to that. It's not that all dogs are treated well, but the dogs that are treated well are treated really well. I just suggested to Lee that the pet health care system is probably based on love, and a lot of the human health care system is based on fear. And what I notice when I'm in hospitals, there's an element of fear when you're walking through the hospitals. And I was in for cancer treatment four years ago, and I was the only happy patient. You know, I mean, I have to tell you, on my entire floor, Everybody else was grumbling and everything else. So I got the best treatment because I was the only happy patient. So nurses and doctors actually liked seeing me. But the whole point, Lee, is that I think that the model that Steve has created in the human healthcare universe worldwide is also a good framework for looking at the pet healthcare framework. And you could have an R&D network for the healthcare based on what Steve has already pioneered worldwide. I'm sure there's very ingenious people worldwide in relationship to pets, just as there are for human healthcare and innovation in healthcare. Well, it's interesting, even since we started this conversation and Steve and I talked about this a lot last year, people are popping up into my sphere of influence exactly like that. Perfect candidates to be in R&D with us later around where we're going. My husband's been speaking at a lot of conferences since he won that award, he's been invited to more. And so many people are coming up to him after from huge multi-billion dollar companies saying, how can we work and collaborate with you? How can we get the message out? How can we change things? So just by putting it out there that we're interested in doing this, people are showing up exactly like that. Mm -hmm. Steve, I haven't talked to you too much about this, but in the last couple of months, Babs and I signed a contract with Hay House Publishers, yep. and it was based on taking my small books, one of which I create every quarter, and starting a process where every year in October, one of the small books will become a major market book, where I'll have a collaborative writer with Ben Hardy and a collaborative strategist and um, book positioner in Tucker Max and then the owner of Hay House. All three were very excited, but what really locked it in is that I have total cash confidence about this. So all the money that the books make, if we have 10 bestsellers in 10 years, every penny that's made from that book success stays on their side of the line. And the reason is because I want the book to put new registrations into Strategic Coach. And it was so funny because when I bring up that topic and they said, well, why didn't you take part of the money? And I said, let's just walk this through. I said, what money are you talking about? I said, there was no money. What created the money was the collaboration. I said, unless you had the collaboration, it was actually Ben and Tucker who went out and sealed the deal, and Tucker especially the 10-year deal. I said, this was purely created through the skills that I don't have. I said, I don't have any of these skills. 
you know, I'd just be pumping out these little books forever, but I'd never take out the time or the focus or attention to actually turn it into a major market book. What really sealed the deal, and we were talking, that all four of us, and that would be Ben and Tucker and Reed Tracy, who's the owner of Hay House, were all totally committed to the entrepreneurial reader around the world. You know, this is the passion that we all have. We have easily a 25-year commitment, so there's nothing to distract us or to disrupt us during this. Oh, we should take the book and make it for the corporate market, or we should take the book and make it for the foundational market. You know, this should be a general market. And we're very, very clear that the reader of this is entrepreneurial and, you know, is either an aspiring entrepreneur or it's someone who's a very successful entrepreneur that wants to get better. So putting two things together, I have cash flow confidence so I can do that because I know how to make money on my side. I don't need any money from the outside. But the other thing is that everybody in the collaboration is totally committed to this 25-year vision of bringing out powerful books. Yeah, I think you're glossing over a big piece of the magic of the cash flow confidence the chicken and egg question about cash flow confidence, right? Which is what comes first. Your actions, let's just pretend for a second that you didn't have the actual cash flow, but you had the confidence to be cash flow confident. Okay. Mm-hmm. The idea being you kind of just believe and know in your gut it's going to emerge. The more you focus on it, the more it becomes true. Your ability to say, I only make money one way, which is putting entrepreneurs in seats in my program. And if everything I do in my collaborations like this one you just described ends up putting entrepreneurs into your program, you make plenty of money. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, and this is one of those, and I've heard this just as back channel discussions when people talk about cash flow confidence is like, oh yeah, it must be nice to be able to think that way or be freed up to think that way. And so I don't think it necessarily is a once you achieve a certain thing, you have cash flow confidence. I think you can start with a commitment to the focus of one business model and create cash flow confidence as a result of that commitment. And so there's an element of your four C's that go into, I think, Mm -hmm. being able to say you're cash flow confident because a lot of people will put the excuse in front of being cash flow confident as I'm not, so I can't be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about that process as it relates to the four seeds? Because I think the commitment piece. Yeah. (laughs) The whole point, and Tucker actually pointed this out because I had just met him through Ben because Ben was already hiring Tucker for his own books. We happened to be at Genius Network and Ben and Tucker and Reed Tracy were there because Joe was putting on a whole event one afternoon about publishing and how to think about entrepreneurs actually getting books and having them published and actually have the books make a difference. And Tucker said, you know, you're the weirdest person I've ever dealt with. He says, most people write a book so that they can be famous so they could create a system like yours. He said, you've already created the system. The system is just waiting there for a million book readers to actually know where they can go to actually practice this. You know, and my sense is that all of us have done this. And I'd like each of you, Steve and you and Lee, to actually talk about this. You already had the goods before other people knew how good you were. Yeah, I'll let Lee talk first on this because I think you're bringing up an interesting point about 
that chicken and egg. Yeah. What comes first there, having the goods and not. But before there's even goods, there is conviction and belief in your own unique ability and getting excited and fascinated about the future that I think even precedes it. And the reason I bring it up is because I work with obviously a lot of early stage entrepreneurs who are creating something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And I believe that a lot of the things you talk about in your five points of free zone frontiering has very little to do with having it all in place as much as wanting it all in place. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Lee, go ahead. Because, you know, we have the four C's. Namely, you got to be committed before you can have any courage. And then you have courage plus commitment. And that actually creates the capability And what you get as a reward for that is much higher confidence for another jump in the future. So just talk about that, because it seems to me, from your description of how you've operated before I met you, that you had really put a lot of emphasis on actually creating a great system that stood on its own. Well, thank you. Well, I worked in finance for 14 years. You know, I got my Series 7 and worked in finance, and I got my first experience in the financial world, working with Merrill Lynch, working with clients, looking at business plans and helping other entrepreneurs. So after 14 years of that, then my husband and I moved to the Bay Area. We bought a general practice that had already been in business for 40 years. It was a million dollar investment at the time, 3,500 current clients. You fast forward to when I sold the business, we had 25,000 current clients. So that's the part of the multiplier. I was doing it in a 15 mile radius of how to help people. Well, during that tenure is when my husband discovered holistic medicine. Mm -hmm. Ironically, we published a book with Hay House in 2017 with Reed Tracy. So I've worked with him for years. We're working on a second book now. And he is phenomenal. His team is phenomenal. And that's a great multiplier for us. He brought us out to the world. Why pay attention to holistic medicine? And from that, I then created a collaborative partnership that started bringing out holistic products to animals. And that's where the cash confidence came in. Even more so is because Mm -hmm. now the products are going out. They're actually headed to retail stores soon. We're working on that right now. But it's still in the same one alignment, which is animal medicine and promoting animal medicine, period. What I've done is, just like you, is go out and find the right who or the right partner for the thing that we're doing. So we had Reed Tracy when we were doing the book. We had a team of people that were helping us with promotions around that. Now we have two separate teams that are helping us with products one that's here in the United States and another one that's in the UK. So we're still putting the same genius in it and the same amount of effort We're multiplying with them. Mm -hmm. They're simplifying it and then multiplying it with us. Yeah. Well, Steve, back to your comment, because again, what Lee just said is that they had a lot of goods before people discovered that they were good. And I would say the same thing with you because our relationship goes back 23 years I mean, first of all, you know, you were new to the program to a new business, but you were uniquely successful in a way of having a cash foundation that allowed you to explore a lot of different things. And I remember the transition when you started talking about, you know, there's not much knowledge out there about health. Seems to be a very, very disorganized kind of world. And this brings back the point that you have taken an enormous amount of complexity and simplified it and the whole different aspects and the different impacts of startup health. But we're talking about players here. You know, we're not talking about would-be players. We're not talking about wannabe players. 
But having said that, if you are a wannabe player and a would-be player, and you know that this model exists, it actually simplifies your life enormously on what parts of your entrepreneurial progress to focus on first. And I think cash flow confidence is the first thing that you have to focus on. If you kind of boil it down to each of these pieces, cash flow confidence, and the reason I brought up that chicken and egg is I could take an entrepreneur who's trying to figure out their business model because they're just getting started and use the same idea of one business model, the focus, make sure that it's the kind of business model you're going to want to be committed to for the next couple of decades, that it's going to make sense in terms of sustainability and scalability. And it's going to be the kind of thing that's going to kind of endlessly both fascinate and motivate you. But it also at the end of the day, has to allow you to be freed up to keep laying the tracks in front of you. So just for purposes of kind of bringing all of the five pieces together of the free zone five, the cash flow confidence and the hero target go together, right? The idea that if you're confident about your cash or you are committed to being confident about your cash by focusing on one business model and you know who you want to be a hero to and that 25-year target then what's interesting is that all of the things that you need to actually make that happen can be figured out what comes from you and what you can do to help those, in my case, entrepreneurs who are trying to achieve health moonshots for others who have a different target they want to be a hero to. But I think the 360 DOS, the simplifier multiplier and the collaboration model that you outline. Why don't we take a break here and then just pick it up on the next podcast? If the conversation is rich, we can break it up. And I think it's been really rich right now. I think there's a lot of very, very interesting talks about this. This is a marriage, a marketplace marriage that we're talking about. And all the rules that make a successful marriage between two people also apply to a marketplace marriage that we're talking about. You know, you got to have good finances. You got to have total commitment. And then there's a constant exploration of what's possible in growing the relationship over a lifetime. And so I'd like to just end there. And Lee, are you good for another one with us? Absolutely. I'm all yours. Okay, good. And we'll pick it up on the other side. So this is the end of this podcast, and we'll have you come in for our next one where we'll talk about 360-degree DOS, which I've renamed since I actually printed out the diagram that we're following here, and it's called Deep DOS Innovation, because that really broke it open when I started talking in those terms. See you on the other side. Bye, Dan. Bye, Lee.